You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hope everybody enjoyed the ease of a football Sunday with the Browns' week two victory already under the belt. But we are back. Your Monday edition of Locked On Browns brought to you by the fine folks at Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it is made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, joined from SI.com, Mr. Pete Smith of Browns Digest. We'll go through here. You know, we've got some Browns talk. Uh, you know, obviously, you got to see two games now on the Washington football team. Still haven't messed that one up yet. We've got some listener questions. So just take everything through here on your Monday. Hope, again, hope everybody enjoyed the ease of a football Sunday. No stress, not having to worry about it. And obviously, a lot of attrition today, injury wise, throughout the league. Um, Pete, I think where I want to start and look, I mean, were there things that could have looked prettier Thursday night in the win 35, 30 over the, uh, over the Cincinnati Bengals? Sure. But, uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski, his first win under his belt, uh, several players out injured, um, but just too much, you know, picking for no reason. Take the damn W enjoy it. And understand the fact you've got 10 days, you have 10 days. Obviously, now we are now into, you know, week three, you know, come Tuesday morning. Enjoy every moment of it. And here and early what we're looking at, and we'll get into Washington in segment two. Browns look to be a six and a half point favorite in week two. Just take the damn W. Enjoy the fact that this team's going to get some, you know, much needed time to regroup and maybe try to install a little bit more into their offense install a bit more in their defense, maybe get some guys back who were injured way too much, you know, penny pitching after Thursday night's victory. Other than uh, the Baltimore Ravens, everybody is at some level dissatisfied with something about their team. Uh, So, you know, you can say that you have these things to improve and you're coming off a win or you can have these things to improve and you're coming off a loss. Personally, I'll take the winning over the losing. Um, had the Browns lost instead of just nitpicking or complaining how they won, everybody would be calling this a disaster and everything else. So, I mean, this is, you know, they're not given, they're not giving these things away. Uh, you're never going to you know, give them back. As the Chargers will tell you, they're not going to give the the Bengals back that win after Randy Bullock missed that kick. Uh, So, you know, everybody has something to improve, uh, but, you know, the Browns need to get healthy. Uh, They need to continue to get better on offense. They need to play defense, and their special teams coverage has to get better. And all of those things can sort of, be worked on in this sort of not quite a bye week, but almost a bye week. And hopefully those things get better as you're, you're, you're getting the opportunity to play a very vulnerable opponent at home uh, who's in a really awkward position and, and a disadvantage. So, you know, if the, if the Browns beat Washington and they're two and one and people are unhappy about 
how they won either of those games, okay, but they'll be two and one. Yeah, it's to the point. Look, I mean, you, if you're not, you know, you're not going to be happy with everything. I understand, but you put up 35 points on offense with you know with missing your second tight end, with starting your third tackle, and let's be honest, everybody to a man, to a woman, figured Chris Hubbard was probably left on the road for dead as far as this franchise was concerned. He comes out, gives you a solid effort. Um, You played the whole entire second half with your fourth and fifth defensive ends. You played with your fourth and fifth cornerbacks. The safety position is still trying to be worked out. The linebacker position most certainly is still trying to be worked out. Look, not everything is going to be perfect. It's it's just not the way it works. And yes, there are the upper echelon teams of the NFL where there's you know very little need or very little where you know that is wrong or causes for concern. But you got the damn W and just you know enjoy the moment. And especially in what could have been such an awkward game because not much was going to change between Sunday of Week One and Thursday night of Week Two. But you got what you needed, and you know, you got the victory. You got everything off of all the players' backs, and you know the nonsense of you know is Odell on the market for the two hundred and seventy fifth time since he's been here in four hundred and change days or whatever it's been. The minutia and the idiocy that just continues to go along with stuff like that. But now you get into a position here, you know, where you know, everyone should feel a little bit bigger in their britches a little bit more confident in what they do, including the coaching staff. And Pete, this is probably where this is for me, which is one of the biggest things I took out of Friday was, you know, we think Greedy Williams should be practicing Monday. We think Mac Wilson should be practicing. There's hope that Kevin Johnson is practicing Um, to be one and one at this point and where the offense looked really, really crisp Thursday night to start to get some of these reinforcements back on defense it's huge. It's crucial. You know, this is, you know, they're going to need this because obviously, you know, Joe Burrow picked, picked apart this secondary. Lamar kind of had a way, had his way with it. And, you know, which is interesting because, you know, the secondary seemed to have no issue shutting down the Browns' own offense all through August. Well, the biggest thing you get from a win on on Thursday is a sense that you can, in fact, do it. And there's sort you know, with the Browns and the new coaching staff and trying to incorporate these players and, and the struggles you had last year, there's this element of coming off that uh, loss to the, to the Ravens and, and, you know, wondering, you know, are, are we in fact, you know, are we, are we good? Are, are we, you know, as good as we, sh- as, as all this talent suggests we should be. And you go out and do your thing on Friday or on Thursday, the way you did, especially offensively. And, the answer is, well, yeah, we are pretty good and we can do this and we, we can still get a lot better. Uh, and yeah, there's no question. The, the fact that you had that game on Thursday made it really difficult for guys to come back. Um, Jedrick Wills most notably played. That's, you know, that's not, I did not expect that. And, and I, I don't know what he actually did to his shin. If he just has a big bruise and had to effectively wear what amounts to be a shin guard or what, but, uh, he played, uh, you know, you, you, you got probably one of the best games of Chris Hubbard's career uh, and yep. Jack Conklin didn't play and you're, you're hoping to have him back. Olivier Vernon didn't play. You're hoping to have him back. 
Adrian Claiborne. Uh, there's no schedule on his injury, but he's attempting to play through it. It's a strained hip. Um, so you have an opportunity to sort of get this thing better. And if you're going to, you know, have these issues with your secondary and stuff, and you never want to have, be, deal with injuries at all, you got one win out of, out of a depleted defense, missing five starters. You got uh, an opportunity to get another win, potentially missing some of those same starters. And then hopefully, you know, you, you get the ball going a little bit, you play better, and then you add add to it. Hopefully those guys add something. So, you know, maybe there's some payoff here where some of these guys are getting experienced who aren't Tavier Thomas and getting better uh, that, that hopefully that pays dividends later. Uh, and you know, a guy like Terrence Mitchell can hopefully become sort of a role player and an asset where you can put them all over the field and help you in different spots. But, uh, you, you, you can have a game where you're not too totally satisfied, uh, get the win and, and see all these areas you can improve. And if you do, then you're just that much better. And it's, you know, again, it just don't be picky and look, they ain't all going to be pretty. And, you know, and even, you know, the Chiefs today, primary example, it wasn't pretty. And, you know, part of it is, is, you know, you know, people not getting enough time, not getting, uh, you know, enough reps with the abbreviated offseason as it was. Just stop being so damn picky, people. Just let it be. Enjoy the damn W. I, I hope you did because I know I most certainly did. We're going to get to a little bit more here. We'll start peeking ahead a little bit to the Redskins here. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith on your Monday locked there on Brown. Got it. Visa knows the local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities, whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops. Local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by nine. They always give back, making a difference and going the extra mile to support us in our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business. And look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Now, Pete, looking a little bit ahead, and obviously I had the Redskin game here solo unopposed today. Um, Some initial thoughts, you know, maybe Dwayne Haskins is getting a little bit better. Uh, Their running backs, not much there. other receiving options other than Terry McLaren. There's not much there. But, Pete, this team can get after the quarterback, but this team is going to have issues with our defensive line. There were four sacks in the first half, and I think three of them in the first quarter. There are going to be issues for this Washington football team protecting their quarterback the way this Cleveland Browns defensive line is currently constructed. Well, the the, the, uh, Washington defensive line – has two of the best athletes in the world up front um, in in Chase Young and uh, Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat is a genuine freak, uh, and there's little reason to believe that uh, Chase Young isn't on that same realm. They're both basically the same level athlete as Miles Garrett, um, and they have Ryan Kerrigan. So that becomes sort of like a heavyweight fight for the Browns offensive line, who's played really well so far. So if you get Jedrick Wills or uh, if you get uh, Jack Conklin back, you know, that be, that becomes a, just a, a tremendous matchup given the way the Browns have played 
the, the first two weeks. And if the Browns can not only protect Mayfield, but move the ball, the Redskins don't really have enough uh, on that, on that defense to sort of keep it going. They have, don't get me wrong. They have some talented players, but it's just not enough to, to over compensate, to, to compensate for that, that pass rush not being effective. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they are able to get uh, a couple big plays out of it. Uh, it's, it's about minimizing them. I mean, be perfect world you, you can you can completely neutralize and dominate but i expect there's gonna be some uh challenges in that regard the washington offense just is having a really hard time uh they just don't have much talent um Dwayne haskins you know he's 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 early stages in his development still um not ha- having played much college it you know this was the same deal with trubisky you you just experience is huge coming into the NFL. And that's why I always just sort of basically don't want anything to do with inexperienced quarterbacks. Um, so there's a lot that Haskins hasn't seen or, or really faced yet and, and getting to that comfort level, but they may have lost sure for the year. Uh, and he's probably their best lineman. Um, they, you know, and that's, you know, that's after they traded Trent Williams and they didn't really have a, a good replacement behind him. Uh, the running game is not impressive at all. Uh, obviously, losing Darius Geis and then to you know to his own actions, uh, releasing him. Uh, they 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 got rid of Adrian Peterson. They they don't really have you know great options. They're they're you know if the Reds if if the uh, Washington football team has enough to beat you offensively, then then you you're almost basically back to the drawing board. Uh, with your defensive personnel. Um, all right. So, you know, obviously, you know, our initial you know preps here on Washington, more to come, you know, during the week, you know, as far as that is concerned here. Pete, um, I guess I'm going to highlight two games here today. Um, we'll go, you know, uh, I'll throw them out and then obviously give me your thoughts here. Um, the debacle in Dallas and obviously on not Dallas's fault. Um, and then, just the way it worked out with the Chargers and, you know, obviously, you know, Tyrod Taylor a- aggravating, you know, the rib injury or, you know, I mean, where he was pointing to, you know, maybe look, you know, maybe like it was a solar plexus type of thing, you know, obviously, you know, where he maybe looked like he was having a hard time breathing. Um, but Justin, you know, Justin Herbert basically just getting thrown out to the wolves and looking the part. And, you know, the thing with the Charger game is it felt so very reminiscent of week three of the 2018 season where, and look, Tyrod Taylor is one of the better guys in the NFL. I mean, just a great guy, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a time thing for Tyrod Taylor. He's always going to be, you know, the guy to, you know, be there until the kid is ready. And, you know, here it is, you know, uh, now in 2020, and I don't see any reason why Anthony Lynn would, you know, take any steps towards looking back. But Pete, you know, start with the debacle in Dallas, and then you know, for Tyrod Taylor. But you know, I mean, God bless him because he's certainly making some money doing what he's doing. Well, I mean, it's you know, it's tough. I you know, who knows? I don't think there's really been any elaboration on just what happened. If like this is you know, when when you're talking about chest pain. Um, you know, is that something that's like 
quite literally his heart or did he do something and aggravate an injury like his pec? Well, they said they, that, they really- said during the game that he had been suffering a little bit during the week and maybe he re-aggravated something, but, you know, go ahead. Uh, but, you know, the, their, uh, their rookie quarterback did fine. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't know where they're going to go with this. Anthony Lynn has committed to going back to Taylor. I've, I've, I've watched this movie with Tyrod Taylor before. It doesn't end the way uh, he'd like it to. Um, and chances are at some point he's, you know, going to be more injured than, than he probably actually is. And they're going to have that excuse to, to move on. Um, at least for the moment, they're one and one. They had a chance to win both games. So they're going to try to win. Um, I don't think they, they are of the belief that he's at that point where he can win, win them the games uh, yet. But, you know, it doesn't sound to me like Anthony Lynn is super comfortable in his job either. It is interesting with that with Anthony Lynn. And then, Pete, that final, I guess, maybe three minutes and change in Dallas. I mean, and you want to talk about an embarrassing effort from a team. The Atlanta Falcons show that in spades. Pete? Oh, you sorry, you cut out. Um, that was high school shit. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how how you you come back from that. That was it, it just an absolute embarrassment. Uh, it, I, 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 it's very difficult to 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 look at that team and and say they have any chance to be anything else than the, the team that lost in the Super Bowl. Um, after being up 28-3 because it was almost eerily similar <laughs> with that type of lead. And the Cowboys deserve no credit because Mike McCarthy uh, played that situation horribly. He uh-huh. settled for like a 40-something yard field goal when he could have just kept moving the ball. Um, I, I, I don't know why they sort of set up camp. I was waiting for that field goal to miss uh, and, and to have that thing blow up in his face because he basically got – uh, onto their side of the field and just immediately set up shop and played for the field goal instead of trying to make it easier. Um, but yeah, uh, the Falcons, um, you know, if this was like the middle ages for, for Japan, everybody on that team would have to commit ritual suicide to, to reclaim their honor. That was just some of the worst football I've seen in a while. And it, and it always seems to go that way for the Falcons. It, you can literally set your watch to the Falcons failing at this, which I don't know what he fixes that, but obviously it's not going to look good for the head coach. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, obviously the time manager for the Dallas towards the end, and it was almost like, I, I think they thought themselves that maybe, you know, the onside, uh, onside kick was just going to be a, you know, a, a pipe dream. They wasted many downs, you know, down closer to the goal line, many opportunities. Um, and if you took one thing away from it, I believe that, you know, Dallas um, in not extending Dak and any opportunity that they had to do that earlier, um, it's going to cost them and it's going to cost them a ton here. We got a bunch of listener questions. Appreciate you guys are uh, you know, piping those in. We're going to get to those here in a second as we just continue to move on through Monday. Locked on Browns, your host, Jeff Lloyd. And of course, Mr. Pete Smith from Sports Illustrated. The new and improved Bill Bar is even deliciouser. 
Now, 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, six brand new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon, almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Your 12 original flavors, some of your favorites, peanut butter, banana bread, and mint brownie. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they are also great with the keto diet. The breakdown of the coconut almond bar, 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams net carb. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code, all caps, locked on, no space, and you get $10 off your next order. Use the promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. And we will cruise through here on some listener questions as we continue to drive on through here on your Monday edition of Locked on Browns. And this one comes from Francis Lolly. Of the defenders that could come back for week three, Pete, who would you say is the most essential? Uh, that's tough. Uh, uh, it's either Olivier Vernon or Kevin Johnson. And I'm more inclined to say Kevin Johnson right now. Um, the Browns aren't bad on the boundary, but they are awful in the slot. And if Kevin Johnson coming back means no more Tavier Thomas, then that's the biggest upgrade they can make. Uh, Kevin Johnson is a really, really good cover corner. Um, and that should only benefit their pass rush and hopefully allow them to create more turnovers. I mean, again, the, the, we talked about this uh, post-game, but they just found where Tavier Thomas was and, you know, moved the ball fourth and four. Hey, there's Tavier Thomas, first down. Uh, like, it's just miserable. He's a, he, you know, he plays hard. He gives you everything he's got, but what he has is is great for special teams and awful for corner. Uh, so at this point, I would say Kevin Johnson. I would say Tavier Thomas probably has a would have a better future as playing maybe a box safety where just run north and if there's somebody in front of you, just destroy them. Um, he did tackle well for the most part Thursday night. I will give him that. Um, and I agree probably on Kevin Johnson. And this is maybe, you know, and look, we have not seen 2020 Greedy Williams yet. But Pete, you, you want to talk about a player, a former second round pick in 2019, and you know. Ups and downs his rookie year, tackled well the coverage, which was weird because his 2019 rookie season, it, it what was we had questions about, you know, was okay. What we thought we knew about Greedy Williams is where we had our issues. I I, I, I don't know if there's any other player maybe on this defense who's in an odder position right now than Greedy Williams as far as you know where his standing is with this franchise. Look, he could play Sunday, have a great game and kill some of this noise, but there are other cornerbacks on this team. And, you know, there was a time where he was drafted when Terrence Mitchell was in house and, you know, Terrence Mitchell is, you know, just slow, steady when you need him. He's there. I mean, he's like, you know, he's like homeowners insurance for God's sakes, but he may be in like the oddest position out of anybody on this defense for the Cleveland Browns right now in Greedy Williams in that just we don't really know the player we have yet. 
There is an investment into them. It is not by anybody that is currently holding any power within this organization. Sorry, say that again. As far as Greedy Williams and his standing, because, you know, there was an investment in him, but anybody who is currently here in the, in the power structure of the Cleveland Browns didn't make the investment. He's just in a really tough spot. Well, look, I mean, you can't have too many. So even if he's awful, they're not going to get rid of him. He costs nothing, and he's a talented body in a, in, in, uh, in a build that this um, – this this staff seems to target, um, but if he's awful, uh, you know, if he doesn't get better or you know, he doesn't play better than he did last year, obviously he still needs to uh, get out there and, and and do it. But if he's not better, all it does is open the door for a corner and and early in the draft or free agency or however you want to do it. But that is certainly a challenge uh, for them. Uh, if it because it becomes awkward, but at least for the time being, this is why rookie contracts are so valuable. Is because you can, uh, can, you know, keep guys around, uh, and, and have that option. So I mean, like if you know if, if if things go worse, I mean they're not. I I would be stunned if they brought back Terrence Mitchell. So right, it, just on that, if he was bad, um, they could. Uh, keep him as that fourth corner and potentially have him do some of a multiple faceted role, but there's just no incentive to, to get rid of him at this point. You know, if he played, if he were to play badly. Agreed. And now one more here, um, NJ, MJ Stewart, Ronnie Harrison, obviously both these players, you know, NJ Stewart brought in off the waiver wire, Ronnie Harrison, a fifth round pick traded for him. And, Look, both were in tough spots. You know, MJ Stewart probably would have been in line for more playing time had he not missed essentially the two weeks of camp with a hamstring injury. You know, Ronnie Harrison obviously got here late in the game. Um, and for everybody, look, if he wasn't ready to go week one, essentially within the base defense, there was no way he was going to be ready to go 72 hours in week two. Is this the week, Pete? And, you know, with the fact that, you know, these this team went out and, you know, made a purpose to bring these players in here. Is this the week where we start to see MJ Stewart, Ronnie Harrison start to, you know, integrate themselves into some, you know, more playing time on this defense. I would have thought Ronnie Harrison would have played more Thursday, but certainly another just week and a half. Just because the safeties weren't playing well is why I thought we were going to see him more. Yeah. And he has a, a very specific skill set uh, in that he is somebody who can cover tight ends reasonably well or at least that's been his track record. Uh, so, you know, obviously the, the the Bengals, everybody in the AFC North has two tight ends. The Bengals lost one of theirs to injury, unfortunately, uh, CJ Uzoma. Uh, but uh, that's sort of what Ronnie Harrison looks like he could do right off the bat is basically you just put him in there and say, you got him. Um, so I would think with another week and a half, you're going to start seeing him. I don't know what the deal with MJ Stewart is, if it's a nagging in injury issue because he, he obviously got a ton of reps in training camp. Um, it wasn't as it if like it wasn't as if he was just added or, you know, there, there's just guys who are better than him, or at least I wouldn't think so. Again, it's a choice between anyone and Tavier Thomas. I'm, you know, we're not, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say nothing can be worse than this because people have suggested that 
uh, with this team, and somebody always manages to find a way to be even worse. Uh, but it's getting pretty close, and obviously with you know matchups will dictate uh, what happens. But I, I mean, I would be more inclined to see either of them playing that slot role or potentially move Andrews and Deho back into that slot role. So Ronnie Harrison can come in and potentially play, you know, deep. Uh, you know, he's not a true free safety by any stretch, but clearly neither is Sandejo. So that's another option, or you just go to more red wine or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, and red wine seems to be another one where it just seems to be really, really weird where, you know, he's not getting an opportunity, um, you know, after, you know, at least closing, you know, 2019 with where it looked like he was maybe, you know, at least getting his feet established. And all right, all right, guys, a bunch of you asked this. All right, Pete, without putting names on it, and it, it feels weird at one and one to go here. Um, if you're looking first round here, Pete, and looking ahead to April, as of right now where we stand today, what is the positional target the Browns should be looking at early as far as, well, not early, but their round one selection? Defensive end. I mean, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Obviously, and they could do something in the off season and sign somebody or trade for somebody. I still anticipate that they're going to make a trade, not during this season, but for next year, where they 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 make sort of that Eagles trade to add a a very proven veteran from a team who's trying to get rid of cap. Um, but the the Browns cannot, and I and I cannot f- foresee them going into a season where they're basically just like. Well, Miles Garrett's really good, and we're not going to bother seriously addressing the guy across from him. I just don't see them doing that. Uh, obviously, they tried with Jadevian Clowney. They they made sure they addressed it with keeping Olivier Vernon. They added Adrian Claiborne. Porter Gustin looks promising as a sort of a depth rusher. So that's what I expect. And, you know, uh, again, safety is paramount in all this, in this whole discussion when it comes to college football. But if the Big Ten does come back, that would be great because Michigan has a bunch of guys I want. Uh, and, and the kid who's jumping out at me right now is Aiden Hutchinson, um, who's enormous. He's basically the same size as Miles Garrett and Adrian Claiborne. Uh, but he's like 20. Maybe he's 21 now. Uh, and he is just a – he hasn't sort of put it all together yet, but he's a really impressive big, big guy, uh, sort of like in that Rashawn Gary mold, you know, except good. Um, so I'm curious to see where that goes. And then obviously it becomes DBs, you know, there's a bunch of really talented corners and obviously it's really hard to like, go. well, this guy's going to be here and this guy's going to be here first. We don't know where the Browns are picking and second. We don't know where these guys are going to go, but there's a bunch of really talented DBs. Um, and despite the fact that their, their coach isn't allowed to show up on the sideline because they're a reckless organization that can't take care of themselves or anyone else, Florida state has some really talented corners this year. Uh, and you know, it's whatever, whatever's junior, if it's Asante Samuel or the other one, there's a bunch, there's a bunch of second generation corners we grew up with that are really good. Not, yeah. It's Asante Samuel junior, but like, who's the other one uh, and from Alabama uh, Samuel's from Florida state. I believe, I believe Carnell Lake, Lake Carnell Lake, you know, the, the former Steelers, I believe his son's from UCLA and he's a freaking stud as well. There's a, yeah, it's a, it's a big, big second generation. Oh, and then there's yeah, the kid from uh, oh, Joe Miami's Horn's kid, too. too. Yeah, I think I think Miami I think Miami's got a legacy too. 
so yeah, I mean, it, there's just a lot of DBs, and obviously there's some there's some safeties. I know Jeff is a big fan of of saying and spelling uh, the kid from Florida State. Hamzel Redeen or whatever his name is, uh, who's supposed, you know, supposed is on track with his recovery, I guess. Uh, There's Andre Cisco from Syracuse. Who's interesting. He put up some really big numbers last year, but the bottom line is the answer is defense. Uh, I I still think the priority becomes defensive until you come up with something else. Uh, But the defensive side of the ball becomes a premium because again, it's about two things. First, all the investments on the offense, and with the extension of Kareem Hunt, the Browns' offense is completely intact for two more years, they, as in every single player is going to be back. He's making less money than Tariq Cohen, for God's sakes. Andrew Berry, well done. Yeah, I mean, so that entire side of the ball is intact for two years. They can do nothing, and all those guys will be here for two years. Um, so – not only are you sort of investing from the standpoint of it's more cheap contracts uh, with, with early round picks, uh, but they have, that side of the ball obviously needs it. So, you know, it, it, whether it's DB, defensive end, basically anything that's not a linebacker, anything that's not a linebacker, because I know there's going to be Browns fans that are going, oh, we got to get Micah Parsons. No, we don't. We do not. And the Browns have no interest in doing that. So get ready for defensive end and defense, uh, defensive backs. And look, uh, you know, I'll just say I'll just say defensive line in general. Um, and even still, with that game being 35-30, you know, Thursday night, Burrow was harassed thoroughly. And it's funny, Pete, because there are so many people now after two games who keep saying, wow, um, I don't know how Burrow's going to be able to play 16 games. Guys, Pete said this the moment Cincinnati's drafted him. Um, there was going to be a question of whether or not he was going to be able to go 16 games with the way the Bengals offensive line is constructed. So when you do hear that, make sure you, you know, you remember the at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Um, it was nice guys having a you know pressure-free weekend here. Um, you know, the weather is dropping. It's starting to feel more like football season come Tuesday. It is the official first day of fall come Tuesday. It's actually the three year anniversary since I have been the host of locked on Browns. Um, They've certainly been a wild ride filled with ups and downs in 2017. That was that was a, that was a time. Let's just put it at that. We're going to put this one to bed here. We're going to start you know rolling through you know the week like we normally do here, and you know it's going to be a little bit different this week because normally we go from post game show and you know drive you through into pregame, but you know we've already been past that. Um, but you know we'll get some fun, some fun stuff this week, and obviously you know give you guys all the takes. Um, for Pete Smith, make sure you're checking everything out uh, at Browns Digest on Twitter uh, through SI.com. You can find everything from Pete and his team over there. Uh, make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show at Locked On Browns. As you guys know, the Twitter account there is a follow back account. DMs are always open. Ask for me personally questions, ideas, whatever you want to talk ball. I do my best to accommodate all you guys in those avenues. And I guess we'll close it here. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.